Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Creator Focus brought to you by the Fortress of Comic-Tude podcast. My name is Tyler. I'm Mary. And we are here, as previously mentioned, to do another Creator Focus episode, which is where we pull a random comic creator's name out of a bucket and we talk about him for some amount of time. And then at the end of this episode, Mary's going to pull out another name out of the bucket for next month's Creator Focus episode. Is it my turn? Yes, it is your turn. Okay. But... This week is a very special week because we're doing, you know, one of the biggest creators of all time, which is who, Mary? Jack Kirby. Jack the King Kirby. That's important. That's not in my notes. It doesn't say the king. He is the king. I have lots of pseudonyms and that is not one of them. That is like the main one that everyone uses. Okay. Stan the man and Jack the King Kirby. Okay. So Jack Kirby, maybe in... Maybe has had more an influence over comics than any one person single-handedly. Oh, he's had a lot of influence. Um, he, in my opinion, might be the most important person in history as far as comics go. I would um, say that. I say I don't think anybody has affected the medium more than he has, um, just in what he's given. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, Mary's took a bunch of notes and we're going to talk about kind of his history and everything. Normally we would um, each read like a trade or something done by the creator, but just because Jack Kirby's history is so long and there's so much of it to get into, we decided to kind of um, cut that part out. We're, gonna, we're still going to talk about some of the stuff he did and talk about some of our favorite, you know, works that he's done. There's a lot. Yeah. Um, so before we get into all your history and all that, I wanted to know, how much did you know about Jack Kirby and how much did you learn from doing the research for this episode? How I much knew, did you know before? I only knew like that he created the new gods. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's all. I think that's all that I knew. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I will say that I, I learned that he's dead. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know he was dead. Yeah. He um, passed away a long time ago. Actually. 1994. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I just... 25 years ago. 24 I, years I ago. learned that. So, yeah, I just... Crazy. That's something that I knew and something that I didn't know. There you go. Yep. So... <laughs> <laughs> I should just do that every creator focus. I should say something that I knew and something mm-hmm. that I didn't know. What about if you didn't know anything? I gotta know something. I, like I knew their know. name. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> I mean, there's comic creators that you don't know anything about. That's true. <laughs> Whatever. I'll do what i want <laughs> there you go okay so mary's gonna teach us about some of the history of jack the king kirby okay so are you ready then yep oh okay teach uh, us. all right just professor professor yeah <laughs> no i'm not a professor okay so jack kirby he his uh aka jacob kurtzberg yep uh that i knew yeah i i didn't know that i thought his name was jack kirby honestly <laughs> uh but not not surprising that people kind of you know change their names around. Oh yeah, especially so, ba- especially in that time. Um, yeah, especially um, it's much easier to remember Jack Kirby than it would be Kurtzberg. Oh, yeah. you, you saw that a lot in early 20th century um, immigrants when they were coming to America because yeah. I don't want to say like Americans are like super racist or anything, but like a lot of uh, like well. a lot of immigrants would change their names to sound more less foreign, I guess, because yeah. Jack Kirby. I know his parents were Austrian. I think um, I, I don't know. I don't know what they. I don't know what they were. I do I know. know that he was Jewish, and yeah. a lot of people um, thought that he changed his name to hide the fact to hide his 
Jewish heritage, mm-hmm. and he didn't like that people said that because it had nothing to do with that. Yeah, I, I want to say he's Austrian. Okay. Or at least, like, I, I, don't, I think he may have been born here, but his parents came from Austria, something like that. He was born here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. So, because Kurtzberg obviously sounds very Dutch, like, mm-hmm. so it might have been something to do with the fact of, like, World War One, World War Two. A lot of the blame being defected towards Germany and maybe him not wanting to have a name that sounded German, maybe. I don't know. I, it's speculation, but I do know a lot of people back in those times like changed their names to make them sound less foreign. And some people just like the, the ring of their name, I guess. Like Bob Kane was born Bob Kahn, but he went for the Bob Kane name pretty early. Yeah. So, um, so his birthday was uh, August 28th, 1917. And he lived from then to February 6, 1994. He was 76. So that's right. when he, that's something I learned that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really heartbreaking, like, that he, like, he, pa- he passed away, you know, before he got to see the boom of, like, the comic book blockbuster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, he got to see, like, not his, but... Um, I mean, Superman and Batman were already, mm-hmm. had made it to the big screen by that time, but, like... Uh, just, I, I think of that shot, the shot that everybody shows in every montage, like that circular shot the first time you see all the Avengers together on screen for the first time and the scores. Because like all those are all his characters. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't get to see that. that. That bums me out. Yeah. You know, he created a lot of characters. A lot. Of characters. So <laughs> I have some pseudonyms. OK. That he went by. Uh, Jack Curtis. That's two S's for mm-hmm. Curtis. Um, Kurt Davis. Lance Kirby, Ted Gray, Charles Nicholas, Fred Sani, mm-hmm. and Teddy. Wow. So there's a lot. He's he's just he's he's written a lot. Um so he had a lot of pseudonyms. He is from the lower east side of Manhattan, New York, New York, New York City, New York, not not New <laughs> York, New York. Um <laughs> New York, New York, like the casino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprised I didn't say new New York. There you go. (laughs) Watching too much Futurama lately. Yeah. Um, So he was a writer, a penciler, artist, inker, editor. Genius. Genius. Um, Just creator, like in every sense of the word. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. He just, he did a lot of work. Um, uh, So I have some notable works, which is just notable. It's, there's lots of. Yeah. There's no, there's not any way we're going to be able to, that's probably a pretty good disclaimer just to put up here too like there's no way we're gonna be able to cover everything that jack kirby's done in this episode we're gonna try to hit a lot of the big ones but like the guy did everything so he did a lot um okay notable works uh captain america Mm -hmm. fantastic four the fourth world titles hulk commandi Mm -hmm. uh, manhunter newsboy legion and x-men and that's like yeah like a sliver Slipper, and basically all of those are also like co-creator of, co-creator yes of all those like not not only he just worked on those things he mm-hmm. co-created yes. all of those things yeah crazy <laughs> so now i have awards he's got a lot of awards all right so in 1963 he got favorite short story for the human torch meets captain america um that's by stan lee and kirby in strange tales number 114 Awesome. Yes. Uh, then he has 1964 best novel. Captain America joins the Avengers uh, with Stanley mm-hmm. uh, from Avengers number four. Yeah, they worked together a couple times. Uh, a couple times, uh, a little bit. 
He also got best new strip or book, uh, Captain America. Uh-huh. Just that was just another one that he got. Uh, 1965, he got best best short story, The Origin of the Red Skull. Mm-hmm. 1966, he got professional best professional work, regular short feature, Tales of Asgard. Awesome. Yep. He was big into mythology and stuff like. Loved all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, basically, any character that you think that he, you know, any any character that main character, you know, he's created a lot. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna well, we're gonna go over that. Everything. Everything. Exactly. <laughs> Just his everything. Hand in everything. Yeah, especially a lot of Marvel. Like, oh yeah, a lot, a lot. But when he did finally come to DC, I mean, he changed the DC universe forever. True. So. True. Just ridiculous. <laughs> so in 1968, best professional work, best regular short feature, Tales of the Inhumans, the best professional work Hall of Fame for Fantastic Four. He got a Shazam Award for special achievement by an individual in 1971 for his fourth world series in Forever People, the uh, New Gods, uh, Mr. Miracle, and Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He received an Inkpot Award in 1974. Uh, he was then he was also inducted into the Shazam Awards Hall of Fame in 1975. Uh, 1987, he was an inaugural inaugural inaugural. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, 19 in 1987, he was an inaugural inductee into the Will Eisner Comic Book Hall of Fame. Of course, the Jack Kirby Awards and Jack Kirby Hall of Fame were named in his honor. Mm-hmm. Of course. And, and that's like one of the, like the Jack Kirby Award is like one of the more like prestigious awards you can get in comics now, which mm-hmm. like I love to death. Like I love that because he, there, there's nobody that's contributed more that was given less mm-hmm. than Jack Kirby, like credited less. And it's just, it's like, one of the biggest like black eyes on the comic community as a whole. Um, he was screwed over by both Marvel and DC. Yeah, which I'm he sure was. you're gonna get into. But yeah, it just like I will talk about it. I, yeah. I don't go too much into it. There, there is a lot in there, and I want to focus more on he. Mm-hmm. You know, he did have these disputes, but he's just so like. It's hard to get into too because a lot of it is still hearsay. Mm-hmm. Like that, th- there's a lot of reports and there's a lot of like stories that have been passed down through the years. Yeah. But because he passed away in 94 and because there wasn't as much keeping of record of things that went on inside Marvel and DC back then, like, there's a lot of stuff that's up in the air of what actually went down. But mm-hmm. we know that Jack Kirby was not treated well. That's all we know. Yeah, he wasn't. So. Um, and then fun fact. Mm-hmm. In 2001, there was something else named in his honor. He got the asteroid number 51985. Mm-hmm. They named an asteroid after him? They named an they asteroid named after Jack him. Kirby? They named it Kirby. Uh. Asteroid 51985 Kirby. That is... That's hilarious. That's the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to mention that fun fact. Awesome. All right. So now I'm going to get into some uh, characters created by... Okay. And again... I got a lot. We cannot name everyone. So I got a lot. Hope If we didn't name your favorite, we apologize. I tried to get one letter of the alphabet... <laughs> <laughs> you probably could. <laughs> I think I could. I I tried. There was some that I was like, I don't know who this is, so I just kind of skipped over it. Okay. So, uh, all right, let's. You want to just get into it? Yeah. Hit me with some names. Uh, Ant Man. Yep. Big Barda. Mm-hmm. Bucky Barnes. 
Yep. Captain America. Mm-hmm. Cyclops. Mar- Marvel Comics. Um, it, it specifically said Marvel Comics, so I assume there must be another one somewhere. Uh, Daily Bugle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It <laughs> was listed under the characters was Daily Bugle. Uh Darkseid, Enchantress, Marvel Comics, uh Herbie, the the robot from Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hella, Odin, Parademons, Psychoman, Wasp, Fantastic Four. I did not mention the individual names, just the Fantastic Four. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh Jane Foster, Nick Fury, Galactus, Gorgon. That's from the Inhumans. Uh, he created all the Inhumans. Yeah, all the Inhumans. Uh, Granny Goodness, Jean Grey, Groot, High Father, Inhumans, I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quicksilver, the X-Men, Red Skull, Adam Warlock, Juggernaut, Rick Jones, King the Conqueror, Kree. Is that Kree the... The Kree. The like, Kree? The Kree, Kay. yep. All right. Premiered in Fantastic Four. Okay. Light Tray. Light, light ray, light ray, <laughs> light ray. New God's character, light ray, uh, Loki, the Manhunters, Marvel Boy, the New Gods, Mister Miracle, uh, Scarlet Witch, T'Chaka, Thor, and Zarin. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I have. Any anything else you want to mention? Well, I say that, and that's really just it's just scratching the surface. Oh yeah, like- it was. It was a long page. It's important to know, like, obviously some of the more, like, mythological characters, like... Like, yes, we're, they create... We're, we're like, not we're not being so specific, like, to him creating the characters because they already existed, but the spin, the Marvel version of, like, Loki, Thor, Odin, Hela, like... Yeah. Like, the Marvel Mephisto versions of them. Mephisto and stuff, like, yeah, a lot of these characters that were mythologi- mythological characters that mm-hmm. existed in Norse mythology existed already, but... Jack Kirby was a huge fan of that stuff, and mm-hmm. he uh, the Marvel versions of those characters are the characters that he gets the credit for. Mm-hmm. So, so don't be like he didn't create Thor. Thor was created in you know twelve hundred BC. Like, don't give me that. We we know that. Don't don't be dumb. Twelve hundred BC. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm making that <laughs> part up. But like, we know that he existed already. Yeah. Don't don't give me just that. the Marvel versions. Yeah. I don't think that we have anybody that's going to. I hope not. But you never know. Like, there's always <laughs> one guy. Like, well, technically, like, yeah. shut up. And if you're from the future and you're listening to this, mm-hmm. don't come back at us with this. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, just an idiot. <laughs> All right. So now I'm going into the history. All right. Uh, so I have like. The early times, 1936 to 1940, these mm-hmm. are just some things that happened. He worked for the Lincoln Newspaper Syndicate. That's mm-hmm. his first job. He was working there on the newspaper comic strips. He got in early, too. It was like 18 years old. He was already like drawing professionally. Like yeah. He got in early. Really early. Mm-hmm. Like he just naturally gifted as hell. Mm-hmm. So. so the strip that he worked on was the uh, Your Health Comes First. Okay. That, that was... That's the first one. Um, then he began working for the movie animation company. Uh, Fleischer Studios. Fleischer Studios. Yep. Yeah. Very famous for Betty Boop and Popeye. Though yep. They would later do the Superman cartoons in the 1940s. But uh, Jack Kirby specifically worked on Betty Boop and Popeye. Then he began writing and drawing for the comic book uh, Packager Eisner and Iger? Iger? Okay. I- Iger? I don't I-G-E-R. And he started working for them. He used a surname. He used the surname Lance Kirby to mm-hmm. write Lone Rider. Okay, that I haven't heard before. Um, and that was f- just that was just Western stories in Eastern color printing. 
uh, Famous Funnies, number 36 to 34, so only like two of them. Okay. So not something like big, but he used it for that. So Lone, he used that Lance Kirby for Lone Rider. So if you ever see that, that is okay. Jack Kirby. He then, he ended up settling on the name Jack Kirby because it reminded him of the actor James Cangri? Cagner? Cagney? Okay. That, I don't know. That's just why he decided that. Um, and then I already talked about that he took offense to people saying that he changed his name to hide his Jewish heritage. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I think he's pretty proud of his, his faith and stuff. Yeah. So obviously you would take offense to being like people like accusing you of shame, being ashamed of your religion and that. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And that's not why he, you know, it's just an easier name. It's like Madonna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was saying there might have been like a, a reason for it, but that wasn't it. Yeah. So then I have 1940. He moved into the comic book publisher, moved on to comic book publisher uh, and newspaper syndicator Fox Feature Syndicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wrote down his alert, his his salary for the week was fifteen dollars a week. Probably in which, is, which is probably pretty average for the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Fifteen. Yeah, fifteen dollars a week. I don't know why I was thinking. $15 I don't know that. I'm, just, I'm I'm assuming that's probably pretty, pretty comparable to maybe. I just I an thought it was an average freelance job at that time. I yeah. imagine. I just thought it was interesting that he was. Oh yeah. That that's what it was. I'm I'm interested. He was never paid what he was worth. That's let's just leave uh, it at that. <laughs> how much would that be, today time? I wonder, fifteen dollars um, a week salary. I don't know what year was that. Nineteen forty. I don't know. I will look it up while you continue to to educate me. Okay. He began to explore the superhero narrative in the comic strip, The Blue Beetle, published January to March in 1940. Uh, then Kirby met and began collaborating with cartoonist and Fox editor Joe Simon. He worked with Joe Simon a lot. Mm-hmm. They um, would co-create a guy that wears a lot of red, white, and blue. <laughs> yes. They did. A, you know, they partnered up for a lot of freelance work. Um, then after leaving Fox and collaborating on the premiere issue of Fawcett Comics' Captain Marvel Adventures in March 1941, he did that after he left, is what okay. I mean. So $15 in 1940 uh, adjusted for inflation is the same buying power as $272.42. A so week? They, th- that's just the equivalent. So if he got $15 oh. a week back then, that would be the equivalent of $272 a week now. Mm. So... Dramatically underpaid still. <laughs> yes, very underpaid. Like I say, the man was never paid what he was worth. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> the duo, him and Joe, mm-hmm. were hired to a pulp magazine publisher, Martin Goodman's Timely Comics. Which uh, Which later became... Marvel Comics. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they would change the name... Uh, to another thing I also mentioned. Yeah, that. yeah, okay. It ended up coming becoming... Marvel Comics later yep. on, what we know today. Yep, Timely um, is, yeah, it's the the original the original Marvel. Mm-hmm. Where they created... Captain America. Yes. <laughs> Punching Hitler in the face. Yeah. On um, the cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, with, so, Captain America, huge success. Mm-hmm. Great success. Big propaganda character, obviously, at that time, because the war had already begun. Um... I like bringing this up just because I think it's a big deal because I think when people think Marvel characters, the big Marvel characters, immediately people go Stanley and Jack Kirby. Because mm-hmm. um, to me, Captain America is a pretty big character and Stanley has no fingerprints on him. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I think that's worth mentioning. Like, 
Jack Kirby, like obviously Joe with Simon. Joe Simon, mm-hmm. but like like Jack Kirby had already created a monster character before teaming up with Stan Lee. Yeah. So I just, I just think that's that's worth worth you know putting in there. Mm-hmm. So then Simon felt that they were not being paid well enough. Who would have um, thought? Who would have thought? They weren't. And so then they ended up seeking work to National Comics Publication, which was DC. is DC Comics. National Allied Publications. Well, right now it's National Comics Publications. Okay. And then it'll be National Allied. Okay. Just, they, they went through several name changes just saying, too. Yeah. Just saying. DC. For, for the... <laughs> For the purpose of this, DC. He went to DC. Mm-hmm. So, World War II. Mm-hmm. People got drafted. Mm-hmm. Jack Kirby was one of those people. Jack Kirby. So Jack was Joe Kirby. Simon, yeah. actually. They both got drafted, yes. Um, though, before they left, they knew that they were going. I think Stan Lee did, too, actually. I don't know. I want to say Stan Lee also was, was sent to war. But. Okay. Um, but before they left, they did write a... They did write some comics mm-hmm. to be published the year that they're going to be gone. Okay. So their work was still coming out for the year that they were gone. Mm-hmm. For DC? For DC, yes. Um, the challengers of the unknown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I forgot that all my characters created by. Yeah. Jack Kirby <laughs> created those two. Yes. Um, but they're unknown. Do so. you know what Jack Kirby did in the military? Yes. Okay. I don't I know if you haven't mentioned. Were... Yes. Okay. So he was drafted into the army in June 7th, 1943. He was assigned to the company, to company F for the 11th infantry re- regiment. Mm-hmm. And he landed on Omaha beach in Normandy on August 23rd, 1944, two and a half months after D-Day though. When Kirby would say it, he would say that it would be like only 10 days after mm-hmm. apparently. So it's kind of, he doesn't know. Nobody knows. He, he was there though. Oh yeah. After. But he had like one of the more deadly jobs. He did. So the lieutenant learning that he was a comics artist, he made him scout and he would do the advance, he would advance into towns and draw maps, maps um, which is super dangerous. Oh yeah. He- he would he basically go on these recon missions where they go into these towns before they would invade them and yeah like map out the town so they could come up with like an invasion plan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, like super dangerous. Like the because he just went in alone. That right? and like, the yeah. penalty for that was immediate death. Like if he if you're caught doing that, you were just killed on the spot. Yeah. So I mean, crazy. Luckily that he made it home. Yeah. So lucky for him, he didn't get caught. Lucky for us, he didn't get caught because. Definitely. I mean, comics would be nothing like we know it now without Jack. It would be so different. I don't, I don't, I can't even imagine. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So when they came back, they revamped a Sandman feature in adventure comics and they created the superhero Manhunter. Awesome. Yes. (laughs) Then they also did some work. It was just funny, like Boy Commandos, um, the ongoing kid gang series of the same name launched later that same year. Well, it was like 1942 when mm-hmm. this was out uh, and that same year. And then the creative team's first national feature to graduate into its own title. It sold over eight million copies oh, in man. a month. Wow. <laughs> Becoming their third best selling title, Boy's Boy Commandos sold a million copies in a month. Granted, 1942. You know, <laughs> granted, before you know the average 
family you know owned tvs owned you know a lot of comics were very much a, a cheap entertainment for children at this point so yeah. they, they used to sell ridiculous numbers because you know there wasn't other options for kids back then yeah so also after the war then they started working for harvey comics um where the they created a, another kid gang uh boy explorers comics that I, I don't know <laughs> The Kid Gang Western Boys Ranch, the superhero comic Stuntman, and in vogue with the fad of 3D movies, Captain 3D. He, they were creating these things at that time, around hmm. that time. I don't know what those things are. All right. But I just thought that it was interesting. <laughs> interesting, for sure. All right. So also after their... Um, they found some great success and they were writing a lot of like like wartime comics i think is what it was mm-hmm. um but just so you know they also had a romantic side oh yeah and they wrote some romantic comics uh superheroes were kind of out by this time because the comics code authority was in full effect um you know frederick wortham had already launched his his war against comics and everything else so there was this period you know in the 1950s before the silver age began where um, basically Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman were the only ones to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, all the other superhero titles were canceled and comics very much became romance, became some drama, some crime thrillers, but I mean nothing because everybody was trying to be non-violent, trying to be yeah. very safe. So this was before, you know, Barry Allen would kick off the Silver Age and superheroes would become cool again. Yes. So... Um, so they wrote Young Romance. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Stan even jokes about like all the different books they had at that time that he uh-huh. was working on with like, because there'd be certain words that they go, okay, these words sell and the, you know what I mean? So like romance was one of those. So he's like, we, we probably had like 15 different titles, like true romance, lost romance, wonderful romance, romance with us, like just all these different like different books with romance in the title because they're like these books sell like i don't know i find that so ridiculous yes um so they sold really well actually oh yeah um the title sold a staggering 92 percent of its print run and so crestwood that was the publisher Mm -hmm. um increased the print run by the third issue to triple the initial number of the copies which you just don't see anymore like you just you don't you never see that anymore yeah so initially, that was a bi-monthly. The Young Romance was bi-monthly, but then they ended up changing it to monthly. Um, and then they also had a spinoff, Young Love. Oh. oh. Together, the two titles. The together, the two titles sold two million copies per month. This is crazy. Just nuts numbers now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Um. So now I'm into like this is like 1956 to like 1970s. Um, these things were happening. Um, that's a good little span there. Yeah, it, that's just how it was. This is right when things are about to get Kirby crazy. Like, Kirby's about to just take over the industry here. Mm-hmm. So, mid-1950s, so 1956-ish, um, he returned to Timely Comics, which is known as Atlas Comics. That, that was the other. I couldn't remember what the name was. That's mm-hmm. right. Which is the direct... 
predecessor of of Marvel. He went yes. back to Marvel. <laughs> he went back to Marvel. I'm just trying to get you <laughs> to finish my sentences. Him and Stanley are about to make a partnership. <laughs> yes. Also, he was working with DC. Okay. Um, where he co-created with um Dick and Dave Wood on a non-superpowered people challenges of the unknown. Okay. So in showcase. Um, number six, if you want to, if you want to know that. The challenges <laughs> of the unknown. Um, they are the unknown. So some fun facts that I just thought were really cool is that he did 30 months freelancing for DC. He drew slightly more than 600 pages. <laughs> he was a workhorse. Like, yes. They said it was hard to get him out of the offices in like less than like 14 hour days. Like yes. that was like his minimum. Like the guy just pumped out pages. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he did. A, he did a lot of work. Um, that included 11 six page Green Arrow stories of World's Finest Comics mm-hmm. in World's Finest Comics um, and Adventure Comics that he he also would like ink himself too. So he would some of them. He would ink and he would he would draw it and ink his own work. They said at one point he was drawing like almost seventy five pages a month. Yeah, wow. Which is like ridiculous. Like like nowadays, like it's hard for an artist to like an artist can only basically do one book, which is like twenty two pages. Like mm-hmm. that's like you know what I mean you can't put more on an artist's plate than that seventy five pages a month. Yeah. I mean, God. <laughs> All right. So November nineteen sixty one. Do you know what is happening? 1961. I'm assuming that the FF are about to, yes. about to come out. Yes, Fantastic Four. So there's two different versions of this story that I I, I I always wonder which one is true. It has to be some mix of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, one version of the story is that, uh, is that Martin Goodman was the editor or publisher at, at Marvel Comics at that time. He was very good friends with Julia Schwartz, who was the editor at DC at that time, and DC had just launched the Justice League of America comic book, and it had sold really, really well because DC was in the middle of their Silver Age, bringing back characters like Barry Allen and The Flash and creating Hal Jordan and this and that. And so Julia Schwartz would play golf with Martin Goodman. He's like, yeah, we got this team book. It's going really, really well. So Martin Goodman goes back to Marvel. He tells Stanley, hey, DC has this team book, this group of heroes. We need a book like that. Um... He comes up with the Fantastic Four. Oh, that's one version of the story. Okay, and there's another version of the story that Jack uh, that Jack Kirby says, and, and saying they can coexist, but he says he had more of a creative part of the creation that it was his, him basically trying the Challengers of the Unknown again. Like he liked the idea that the Challengers of the Unknown were based in, but he kind of wanted to tweak it a little bit. And so the Fantastic Four came out of that. And he's like, let me do this again, but kind of do it in a better way. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Fantastic Four came from. So I wanted to present both. And I say the truth, I, I imagine that the truth is somewhere in the middle of those two. Mm-hmm. So who knows? But worth worth mentioning. Yes. So it is good to note here, because I'm going to mention something right now, is that mm-hmm. Jack was Again, he was drawing a lot. Oh, yes. And people liked his artwork. Yes. And Stan and, you know, the people in charge mm-hmm. really liked his artwork. So what they did was they had him provide a breakdown to the new artists at Marvel that were coming in. Um, like a mentor thing? 
Kind of. Okay. And so this was so that they could learn how Marvel wanted their characters to look. Okay. They wanted everyone to draw how Jack Kirby drew. Well, yeah. In a perfect world, <laughs> you, you, you could pass that off today. Like, yeah. every, we just need everybody to be as good as Jack Kirby. Like, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Wouldn't we all like to be? <laughs> so, Gil Kane, this is like a, some things that he said. Um, Another legend. Yes. And it's really long. So, here's what Gil Kane said. Jack was the single most influential figure in the turnaround in Marvel's fortunes from the time he rejoined the company. It wasn't merely that Jack conceived most of the characters that were being done, but Jack's point of view and philosophy of drawing became the governing philosophy of the entire publishing company and beyond the publishing company for the entire field. Um, So they took Jack and used him as a primer. They would get artists and they were taught the ABCs mm-hmm. uh, by him, which amounted to learning Jack Kirby. Uh, Jack was like the holy scripture that they simply had to follow him without deviation. That's what that's what was told to him. Um, it's not how they. It was how they taught everyone to reconcile all those opposing attitudes into one singular master point of view. So it was like. It was like, you have your ideas, but we want you to do this. <laughs> like Hashtag truth. Hashtag Jack Kirby is God with a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can have your ideas, but if you're working for us, we want you to mm-hmm. do what Jack Kirby does. Oh, yeah. So he, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Marvel was so blessed at that time, though, right? When they just had that major boom with guys like Kirby and Steve Ditko and John Romita and all those mm-hmm. guys like. Oh man, just them. Um, I don't know if you were going to talk about this, but I mean, this is a pretty big deal. Um, Jack Kirby is responsible with Stanley for creating what we know as the Marvel method. Do you know what the Marvel method is? No, what's the Marvel method? And this is a myth still somewhat used now, but I mean, it was a big deal back then. Uh-huh. So for anyone that doesn't know, normally, uh, I mean, every creative team kind of does it differently. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, when you write a comic book now, you'll have the writer who will come up with the story. They will type up a script. They will send it over to the artist. And the script will you know, have somewhat of a detail of like, you know, page one, panel one, Daily Bugle, Peter Parker walks in, says this, you know, and you'll have all that. And then the artist will draw it based on that script. Yeah. Um, the Marvel method is something that Jack, Lee, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee came up with back then because Stan Lee was writing so many books like there was no way that he could take the time to write up scripts for all the books and this is why a lot of people give jack kirby more credit for creating a lot of these things because for the sake of time what stanley would do because he trusted jack kirby so much he would go look um basically like in this issue this this and this needs to happen Mm -hmm. and then that's it that's all he would get him so so jack kirby would draw the book himself and may he would make all the creative decisions himself mm-hmm. based off of like two or three lines of notes draw it page for page give it back to stan lee then stan lee would put the dialogue in according to the pages not the other way around oh that's interesting so he would look at the pictures write the story around the pictures yeah because like jack kirby would go okay i need to do this and this and blah 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 and then stanley would go back and go, okay we'll have her say this here to make this picture make sense yeah. kind of a thing so they oh. would do it almost backwards interesting so like 
that's why Jack Kirby gets so much credit, or he doesn't get enough credit, mm-hmm. I guess, because he basically was writing the stories almost as much as Stan was or more. Yeah. So, I don't know, pretty interesting. Hmm. That, so is, that is the Marvel method. That is really weird to, yeah. do, it, to do it that way. I can't Stanley imagine that. just didn't that. have the time because yeah. he was, when you're writing like 30 books, yes. he's like, okay, Steve Ditko, I need you to do this, this, and this. Jack Kirby, you do this and this. And like John Romita, you do this, this, and this. And I need like, these are like the main plot points that need to happen. And you can kind of like make up the other decisions yourself of what else you want to happen. Mm-hmm. Crazy. That, yeah. That's yeah. really crazy. A little bit crazy. nuts. Yeah. So I have some more highlights of okay. what. Um, you know, the work that he did with Stanley. That's the Hulk. Uh, again, Thor. Iron Man. The original X-Men. Doctor Doom. Uatu? U-A-T-U. The Watcher. Uh, Magneto. Watcher. Ego, the living planet. The Inhumans. Um, and also their hidden city of At- Atlan? Atlan? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it. Okay. Um, and also Black Panther. Black Panther. Yep. The first black superhero. Yep. Very relevant character right now. So. Yeah. Um, two big ones you didn't mention. Uh, Silver Surfer and Galactus. Well, I mean, I mentioned Galactus and. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I just couldn't remember, but those are. I mean, Silver Surfer too. I mean, major. Yes. Major characters. Um, I think the, that might in be in the, my notes later. But. In the cosmic scope of the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Which say Kirby, he just he lived for that stuff. The mm-hmm. giant big universe is the connective tissue of everything. All right. So now we're getting into 1968, 1969. Joe, Simon, mm-hmm. was involved in litigation with Marvel Comics over the ownership of Captain America. Um, this is when all this stuff kind of started to happen. Yes. After Simon registered the copyright renewal for Captain America in his own name, according to Simon... Kirby agreed to support the company in litigation. Kirby ended up agreeing to still support Marvel. Mm-hmm. And he signed over all of his rights from of Captain America to Marvel. So, and... Which they brought back. Um, they did? You know, I think it's like Avengers, like number six or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, at, after the war and everything, the superheroes kind of died off. Mm-hmm. So Captain America was gone for like 15 years, like yeah. canceled. The book was canceled. Mm-hmm. And then when they had the resurgence with Marvel with him and Stan Lee and they, you know, assembled all these characters together in the Avengers, they decided like, wouldn't it be cool to bring back Captain America? So they came up with the whole idea that he would be frozen since mm-hmm. World War Two, And that's, you know, that's still canon today. Like that's the, you know, but that basically came out of convenience, like of a way to bring this character back. Mm-hmm. So then I believe this is when Simon has left. Kirby did stay. Um, but then Kirby was also very dissa- dissatisfied with working at Marvel. Okay, So he was dissatisfied with Marvel because um, of the biographer Mark Evanier. Evanier? Mm-hmm. Um, because Stan Lee was getting more credit. Than he was. And he always did. Mm-hmm. And he still has up to this point because everybody knows him as cameos in all the movies. Mm-hmm. And he's, oh, well, he created all those Marvel characters. Everybody says that. But it's a co-creation, um, it you is. know? And like I said, you could, based off of the Marvel method and everything else, you could make a case that like, there, there's some people that, you know, really argue that it was more like 75% Kirby. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Um, he also didn't have, he lacked full control full creative control he didn't have any 
creative mm. control over there anything. There was none back then. Mm-hmm. And right. then he also okay. had like, like they were telling him like, Oh, we promise you this. We promise you that. But then it would it would never happen. Um, I I know this is something we talked about when we did our Neil Adams episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't listened to that episode, please do because that was another fun one that we did. But uh, back in the day, uh, when an artist would draw pages for a publisher, um, you were paid for that page, but then they they would keep the original pages. Yes. Um, and they would own it. And a lot of times, the behind the creators' backs, the publishers would auction these pages off for very large amounts of money. And that was another thing that Jack Kirby was really, really upset about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of the reasons that got turned around. It was until like the 80s, which I don't know if you're going to touch on that, the big lawsuit that he had in the yes. 80s. Okay, so we'll get to that. But that's another something that, you know, keep in mind, it's, this is another thing that was upset, upsetting Jack Kirby quite a bit this time. Yes. That he lost the rights to his original pages. Mm-hmm. Then he began to both write and draw titles like Inhumans. As well as some horror stories, he did get full credit for those, though. Okay. For Inhumans and and whatever horror stories, I didn't list them. 1970, around this time, he was presented with a contract which included some not not good things. He objected and refused. Oh, sorry. He rejected the proposed contract, and then the management refused to negotiate anything. They just no. Such a backstab, man. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. Um, so he was earning at the time thirty five thousand a year freelancing for the company. Um, so then he ended up leaving Marvel and going to DC Comics mm-hmm. um, under Carmine Infantino. Infantino. Infantino? Yep. Okay. I you know I never know if I'm saying people's names right. <laughs> I'm terrible. He signed a three-year contract with DC. This is where he made the fourth world titles. Um, they gave him the option to choose what book he wanted to work on. Yes. And he specifically chose to work on Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, he Because did. He, he thought that if he chose... He, he wanted... He asked them, what's the lowest selling book you have? And they told him Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. He thought if he picked one of the lower selling books, he would be able to kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah. And he also, I think it was just a pride issue of, I want to see if I can get this book um, performing mm-hmm. towards the top, which he did. Yeah, and he did. And so, like, like Darkseid's first appearance is in, an, is in an issue of Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Like, he created the new gods mm-hmm. in the Jimmy Olsen book. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. That is crazy. So, do you want to explain the new gods, kind of? Um, um, the new gods is kind of what's considered kirby's like magnum opus it's mm-hmm. like it is it is the most kirby thing that exists mm-hmm. it, it really is like kirby for the first time going all out mm-hmm. um it's everything that he loves it's huge it's space opera it's mythology all of these things combined mm-hmm. um there's a lot of people that give George Lucas a lot of crap for stealing a lot of these things. And that's pretty evident if you read some of the original New God series. There's some clear, like, ties to Star Wars, pre-Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of things that I think were lifted from this to make the first Star Wars movie. So, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a case that people make and it's definitely evident. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the New Gods, it's... It's complicated, it's very convoluted, but it's as Kirby as it gets, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And they did a 
giant omnibus for it last year that is like one of the biggest books I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so the new gods, mm-hmm. the fourth world. Yes, there is also a character in the new gods, mm-hmm. um, Mister Miracle. Um, Who anyone that listens to this podcast <laughs> know that we love very much. Yes, it's described. His Mister Miracle work has described is described as like a personal myth. He put a lot of himself into Mister Miracle. Mm-hmm. Um. If you don't know Mr. Miracle, he was an escape artist. Yep. And a lot of people think that he put a lot of his feelings of constraint, you know, wanting to, mm-hmm. you know, break free. Um, I mean, you said it was him. the most personal, one of the more personal characters. He, he he said the character he related to the most was Ben Grimm, mm-hmm. the thing, um, the Fantastic Four. But I think, yeah, I think Mr. Miracle comes from a place that's very real. And I think that's why Tom King wanted to do Mr. Miracle, um, which is a miniseries that we love to death. And so, because he's a big Kirby fan. And one of my favorite quotes was uh, Tom King from last year sometime being interviewed about this. And he talks about how much fun he's having with it. And he says, it's always important to remember that you can never out Kirby Kirby. So don't even try. Yeah. (laughs) So I love that. (laughs) So... Kirby did did some work more work with Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um but his he did have a final collaboration with Stanley the Silver Surfle. The Silver Surfle. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it. Leave that in. The Silver Surfle. I got tongue tied. The Silver Surfer. The Silver Surfer. Yes. <laughs> the Herald of Galactus. Yes. <laughs> Um, and that was in 1970. And that was in um, what people are considering Marvel's first graphic novel, which is uh, called Marvel Fireside Books. Okay. Um, that's what people say is, is their first. Okay. Like <laughs> one of the first trades they put out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he still dissatisf- he's still dissatisfied with Marvel's treatment of him. And he got employment from Hanna-Barbera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did. He worked on a lot of animation in the 80s. Yes. Um, he worked on Turbo Teen, Thundar the Barbarian, mm-hmm. um, and some other ones. I don't know. Do you know any other ones? Uh, Thundar the Barbarian is the one I the one I know the most because it, um, they asked him to do all the character designs. Mm-hmm. So, like, he designed the look of that show. Yes. So. Yes. Um, also, at the time, he worked on the new Fantastic Four animated series. Yep. Where there is no Human Torch. There's there is only Herbie, <laughs> yeah, the robot, because they were afraid that the Kids human torch was going to encourage children to set themselves on fire. <laughs> you know, crazier things have been done, I guess. But mm-hmm. and this is right around the time that he would he would uh, start the lawsuit. Yes, so 1980s. We're in the yeah. 1980s now. Over original artwork. All right. So he helped in a legal case. Against Marvel uh, with Steve Gerber. So, Steve Gerber was filing a legal case with Marvel. Um, and that's kind of where, like, all this, like, starts, okay. basically. Um, and this was over artwork? Original yes. artwork? Yeah. yeah. Jack, Jack Kirby wanted his original pages back from Marvel, and they refused. Yes. So, you know, they had a monopoly over this. Um, and there was a... It was a work for hire system yep. uh, where 
They had all the leverage. Yeah, comics creators, even freelancers, they own no rights um, to anything that they created. And the story I've heard is supposedly um, this prevented Kirby from going back to Marvel at this time. Because he he almost went back to Marvel after he left DC again. And then they did the the Silver Surfer thing with Stan Lee. And he he was offered to come back to Marvel again full time. And that was like his condition. Like, I will come back if I get my original pages back. And they refused. Mm -hmm. So... Just, just idiotic, as idiotic as it gets. Oh, but some big name fellow comic creators stood up for Jack Kirby in this lawsuit, and I, I love that. So I'm, I'm sure you're probably gonna get into that. But yes, so he spent a lot of time dealing with Marvel mm-hmm. over the ownership rights of his original page boards. Um, many of the pages were owned by the company due to out some outdated legally legal copyrights um we'll sell them and make a lot of money and you get nothing yes um a lot of them were given away as promotional gifts to marvel clients or they were just stolen from warehouses quote unquote stolen yep sold at auctions which marvel pocketed money and gave nothing to kirby at all Mm -hmm. yes it was around this time that collectors were starting to pay a lot of money for original pages. Mm-hmm. So. so Copyright Act of 1976, it expanded artist copyright capabilities. Comic publishers began to return original artwork to the creators, but Marvel would only do it if they signed a release reaffirming Marvel's ownership of the copyright. So it's like, we'll give you your artwork, but we still own. Yeah. This, you know. So like 1985, they issued a a release that demanded Kirby affirmed that his artwork was created for hire, allowing Marvel to retain copyright in addition to demanding that Kirby forego all future royalties. Marvel offered him 88 pages of his art. Less than 1%. Yeah, but basically almost like we said earlier, he was doing like 75 pages a month at one time. So like barely a month's worth like a little over a month's worth mm-hmm. of his artwork that he did for them pitiful like yes so if he signed the agreement okay if he signed the agreement then he was also saying that they reserve the right to reclaim this art if kirby violated the deal so if he did something and they were like nope that's against the deal they could take that back that artwork such a shit show um honestly <laughs> yeah <laughs> this makes me mad so then Kirby, Kirby, gosh, Kirby called out Marvel, calling them thugs, um, claiming that they were holding his creations. And so after publicly slamming them, mm-hmm. um, Marvel was finally they returned <laughs> after two years. They returned. It's between 1900 and 2100 pages of his estimated 10,000 to 13,000 pages that he actually drew ridiculous yeah so okay we'll give you 88 percent. i mean 88 pages oh wait okay so now that you've called us out and people aren't liking us okay we'll give you a, either you know either 1900 or 2100 but not all of it not yeah, all of it I, no. we can't we can't give you all of it i'm sorry we just can't no yeah and so, so that's just terrible there was a lawsuit yes there was a lawsuit um did he win that he did um Guys like Neil Adams, guys like Frank Miller, guys like Alan Moore all went to bat for Jack Kirby during this lawsuit okay. and that he won. And after this, all artists were given original pages back. Good. So um, 
But after so much fighting about yeah. it, like Marvel um, just wanted to be not nice people. And so, like I said, we covered this some in our in our Neil Adams episode, how big of a contributor he was to getting creators' rights and stuff. That was a huge turning point about giving the artists back their original work. So just, I mean, landmark time for, for creators and, you know, nobody deserved it more than Kirby. Yep. So he also worked, not worked for, I don't know, um, Top Comics. Mm-hmm. Was founded in 1993. Kirby retained ownership of characters used in multiple series from from them, um, and they dubbed that the Kirbyverse. Awesome. They dubbed it that. Um, and so these titles were mainly from designs and concepts Kirby had kept in his files from intended... Uh, so, some they were intended um, initially for the then-defunct Pacific Comics, um, and then they were licensed to Top Comics. And then that became Jack Kirby's Secret City Saga. Awesome. Yeah. So I thought that was really great. And um, then he passed away in 1994. Yes. Yes, he did. And it's terrible. Another, another fun fact. Uh, okay. Stanley gets, you know, a lot of the... Uh, nods and stuff for all the cameos that he makes. Uh, Jack Kirby did make one cameo in an episode of The Incredible Hulk, the Lou Ferrigno 1970s mm-hmm. Incredible Hulk. So I, I I couldn't tell you the name of the episode he was in, but uh, I think he plays like a police sketch artist. Mm-hmm. So even in his cameos, he is a master artist. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> worth noting, even to this day, like even all these years later, like Jack Kirby's artwork is like so grabbing, like it's so drawing to yeah. you, to the eye because I can't even imagine what it was like seeing it for the first time back then because like no no offense to any artist that worked, you know, in the early, early days of comics, but the artwork back then was very like just the style is very stiff. It's very posed. Yeah, I would um, agree. The, the reason and the, and the the reason people love Kirby so much is like it moves like yeah his images more moves. fluid like mm-hmm. like his action scenes you feel like they're really happening it feels so fluid like these characters have a way of moving without moving instead of like feeling like it's just posed like for like a statue <laughs> you know what I mean and it's just he had this way of just drawing action scenes that nobody could do it and i don't know if anybody's done it since or at least done it in the same way um i think he's the best comic book artist of all time i don't know if he's my favorite comic book artist of all time you know what i mean that there's a difference between preferring someone's style versus recognizing the greatness you know what i mean i think he's the best who ever did it yeah i think if there's like a comic book artist mount rushmore it's like kirby's the first name you i know? think that's definitely proven because um, what you said, the Stanley thing, where mm-hmm. he would say, "Okay, this, this, this needs to happen." The Marvel and he method. He would just make it the Marvel method, but mm-hmm. then also, like the whole Marvel made him do like a ABCs learning how to draw like him. Yeah. So like they recognized that it was that good. Yeah. Another one of my favorite stories is uh, when Stanley got the idea to do Spider Man. Saw the fly on the wall, came with this idea to do Spider-Man. Um, he went to Jack Kirby first because Jack Kirby was his guy mm-hmm. and kind of gave him a rundown of what he was looking for. And supposedly Stanley didn't like whatever Kirby did. So that's when he says, never mind, I'm going to ask somebody else. And then he went to Steve Ditko and Steve Ditko, you know, who just passed away earlier this year, mm-hmm. um, 
designed the Spider-Man costume that we know. Um, I would kill to see what Kirby did yeah. that Stanley didn't like. Like, what I wouldn't do <laughs> to see that. Yeah. Um, but the the cover for Amazing Fantasy 15, the really famous cover of the first appearance of Spider-Man of him swinging through the city with the one guy on his arm or whatever, that's a Jack, Jack, Lee, or Jack Kirby drew that image. So, okay. um he didn't create, he, he's not credited as a co-creator of Spider-Man. Steve Ditko drew the interiors, but mm-hmm. Spider-Man's first appearance, the first image anybody ever saw of Spider-Man, cover. that cover is in Jack Kirby image. So, oh, um, worth cool. noting. So, yeah. Um, any other stuff you want to say on Jack Kirby? No, he's, he's just, just great. There's just so, and there's so much to read. Like, yeah. you just Google Jack Kirby and you're going to get a lot of stuff. And you could write. If you need to do a report about a famous person, just do Jack Kirby. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like, and people that worked at Marvel at that time will corroborate all these stories. They're like, he was such a workhorse and he never, he never gave any less effort on anything he ever did. Like, he'd work 14, 15 hour days and he would turn out all these pages a month. But there was never a time where you ever felt like he rushed through a page or he mm-hmm. gave a little less effort on this page or what, you know what I mean? He, he always, always gave it a hundred. Always. Always. It, it, he always gave it his best every single time. Um, there's there's a moment I really love. So in Jack Kirby's New Gods, um, there was a character, a detective character named Dan Turpin, um, who, after Jack Kirby died, kind of became a tribute to Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. So when um, like he became really prevalent in the Superman animated series. It was the Bruce Tim, the one that came on right after the Batman animated series in the nineties. Um, so in that show, he just is Jack Kirby. Like they draw him. He looks like Jack Kirby. Like that kind of became the tribute character uh-huh. to Jack Kirby, but his name's Dan Turpin. But like he, the way he speaks and stuff and his attitude and like, he just looks like him. He looks exactly like him. And then, so when Jack Kirby died, they did like kind of a tribute, um, episode to to him in Superman the Animated Series. And it's probably one of my favorite episodes of the whole show um, where they have, you know, Apocalypse come invade, which is which is awesome because that's all Jack Kirby's characters. And um, Superman kind of gets beaten up and everything and they're going to like take over the world or do whatever. And um, Dan Turpin is the one that like rallies the human race and like stands at the dark side like no we're not going to take this we outnumber you like we're not going to go down without a fight um, Standing, so it's basically Jack Kirby standing up to his character dark side and dark side kills him like he just kills him with like the Omega beams wow. and it's really emotional because like Superman just loses it when he watches him just yeah. get like fried and there's a really beautiful scene um, in the cemetery where Superman is standing in front of Dan Turpin's grave. And uh, Tim Daly, the voice actor that plays Superman, does such a good job in this scene where he's just like, he's by himself and he's talking to the grave of Dan Turpin. And he's like, he says, at the end of the day, the world didn't need a Superman. It just needed a brave one. Um, I love that. And then like at the end of the episode, it says like, rest in peace, Jack Kirby, like tribute. And I just, I love that so much. It's like one of my favorite things. So whenever I think of Jack Kirby, a lot of times I think of Dan Turpin because I'm like, that's like his embodiment. Like, yeah. And he's continued to be that in DC Mm -hmm. since then. Like, like that's basically Jack Kirby in the DC universe is Dan Turpin. So I love that. Yeah. So anytime he appears in a book, it's just Jack Kirby. They just just draw him (laughs) as Jack Kirby. And it's, it's, that's good. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Yeah. That's great. So what, like, what's, what are some stuff that like stands out to you? Like, 
some of your favorite like Jack Kirby either characters or mythos or ideas like what what are some of your favorite his of his contributions to comics that stand um, out to you? Probably X Men. Really? Honestly, yeah. That original incarnation of the X Men. Yeah. The original five, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Probably X Men. Yeah, I don't know because like I love the X Men mm-hmm. animated series, so I just I just thought that was great. Um, Definitely. I can't I can't say anything about the uh, why did I forget what it's called. The fourth world. Mm-hmm. The fourth. I forgot what the it was called first. The new gods. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say much about that because I really only know what you Mr. know, Mr. Miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, and that's all. And just that some of I the really basic know. stuff from like Justice League and stuff yeah. like that. Like, so I would, I would, and I don't really care for the Fantastic Four. I don't know what it is about them. I just don't really care about. Yeah, them. I love the Fantastic Four. I care Four. about. <laughs> I care about X Men. I, I love X Men. Okay, I love Fantastic Four. I love Silver Surfer. I love Galactus. I think Galactus is like. One of the most, like, just straight-up Kirby designs, that big, giant thing on his <laughs> yeah. head. Like, he was so broad. Everything he had, every idea he had was big. Yeah. It, he wanted something that was just going to jump off the page. And, like, his creations have made the best action figures ever made. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just beautiful designs. For me, like, the standout thing, like, the first thing I think of of Jack Kirby, like, his, his creations is definitely, like, the fourth world stuff. Yeah. I love... I love Orion. I love Calabac. I love Granny Goodness and Barda and Mr. Miracle and Darkseid. Like, yeah. I just, High Father. I love all those characters. I love the world. Um, I wish I knew it a little bit more. I would love to get my hands on that Jack Kirby omnibus that came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, just to like really dive deep into all that stuff. Because I know it. it's really hard to understand unless you're really going to put the time into it to give it the thought. But I know he put his heart into that book a ton. Like that was that really was his kind of like, just all of his creative juices just flowing into these pages. So yeah. that's I think that's the standout stuff to me. I love I say I love Mister Miracle. Um, I'm glad that the the Tom King and Mitch Garrett's miniseries has been able to give me a newfound appreciation for that character and has made me go back and really see the ties to what Kirby gave to that character in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, it's just, it's just such a good premise, you know? I love that. I love all those New Gods characters. They're they're awesome. So, I love that they exist in their own world mm-hmm. outside of the multiverse, you know what I mean? Yeah, they get to kind of do their own thing. Yeah. They don't have to fall in line with... Like, there is no Earth 2 dark side, you know what I mean? Like, there dark is side no, is just dark side, yeah. Yeah, they exist outside of everything else, yeah. so there is only one version of those characters, and I love that. That is awesome. Yeah, and I love it. It's like... It's kind of a play on the mythology that was already present in the DC universe. So like with Wonder Woman being so based in mythology, they're like acknowledging like, okay, the Greek gods existed. Jack Kirby was like, these are the old gods. Like Zeus and all of them exist in the DC universe and mm-hmm. Ares and everybody. Those are the old gods. These are the new gods. I love that. And I love that it's so science fiction based because I love sci-fi. So yeah, I mean, say Jack Kirby, he is, in my opinion, the best who ever did it. Yeah. It'll never be topped. So that's that. Yeah, I I I can't say anything more to that. So um give Jack Kirby credit, that's all. Yeah. Please. <laughs> he needs more. He needs to be and it sucks too because there isn't even really a lot of like interviews with him. There isn't a lot, you know, I mean he was I think he was interviewed on TV like maybe once or twice. Like there isn't a lot yeah. to go to. Well, I mean this is before the boom. Yeah. Like, there isn't even a lot of pictures of him. Like, yeah. there's a pretty small handful of pictures yeah. of Jack Kirby. It's 
It's it, uh, it, it bums me out because like this man needs to never be forgotten in history. Like he needs to be preserved, yeah. and there's just not a lot. So preserve those pages that he drew, if nothing else. Like these need to be shown. Talk about him more. Yeah, it's say those those pieces of artwork are still so good that they're just still you like if you go into like a lot of like stores and buy a, a t-shirt with marvel characters on it a lot of times it's still jack kirby artwork on yeah. that they print on th- because those were just so good and they're so retro now that people kind of like that look mm-hmm. but like it just good stuff never falls out of style so that's that's jack kirby that's 100 percent. okay should we do some weekly picks yes okay do you have a weekly pick can i pick halloween yeah you can pick halloween okay, mary I saw pick the halloween. new halloween movie yes it was good Jamie Lee Curtis returns to yes. run for Michael Myers again. I can't spoil it, so. No, but. Um, um, that's what I'm picking. Okay. I mean, just some non-spoiler. Was the movie good? What does it do well? Is there any critiques? I don't have I don't have any critiques. I'll, I'll give a credit that it absolutely terrified me at certain parts. Did like, it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, the whole Michael Myers is just pretty terrifying anyways. Like, mm-hmm. he's, they're very, when these movies are very good at, like, you see what he's doing, but the people don't see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just terrifying. So, like, there's this one where he's, like, walking. He looks inside a, a window and some lady's on the phone. And then she is still talking on the phone. He goes away and he's going to start walking. He goes to, like, the back of the house, mm-hmm. I think. And sh- then she turns around and she's looking out. And she's still on the phone talking. And then you see him, like, he's in the back and she hung- hangs up. Yeah, it's just it's just scary. It's just scary. I would love to see like the return of like the slasher movie. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Of like just the guy killing people movie because you don't have that so much anymore. Like nowadays, it's a lot more like paranormal, like supernatural stuff. Like a lot of horror movies are like someone's possessed or it's like some demon from this or or some like supernatural being that haunts this place or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like which I mean, those movies terrify me. Like if anything, those probably scare me yeah. more. But I also just kind of miss the idea of, like, he's just a guy. Like, yeah. Like, Michael Myers is just a guy. Is he just a guy, though? He's because just a guy. Yeah, he's he a seems crazy. like he's immortal. Like, well, it's true. For real. Like, that's just the movie. But, I mean, like, one dude that's just on, like, a killing spree. Like, I miss those movies, in a sense. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, I would love for, like, those to, like, make a big comeback because they used to be so popular. Yeah. Oh, um, maybe I could say, I guess this could be one critique, but there's a pretty big... If, if you don't guess it right away, mm-hmm. I, I kind of question how you didn't see it because it's like, it's pretty... Is like, it predictable? It's, it's pretty predictable. Okay. But eh, it's fine though. Like that, you know, it was fine. Okay. It, it was still scary enough that I was like sitting there in my seat and I have like my... I'm like holding like these napkins and mm-hmm. I'm just like... <gasps> you know like i'm still jumping so so it's mary approved mary approved yeah okay awesome yeah my weekly pick is i want to say justice league number 10 okay uh the new issue justice league um if nothing else just based off the fact that francis manipole drew it Mm -hmm. and every time he comes back to draw something that's that's worth it i mean scott snyder wrote it and it's, it's a pretty good issue and it's setting up the new this big drowned earth thing that they're doing in the justice league books big this big kind of aquaman centered 
event that they're kind of doing, which, you know, obviously, because the movie's coming up, they got to, you know, put Aquaman in the spotlight. But mm-hmm. Francis Manipal is so good. Francis Manipal. Why does that he sound familiar to so, me? Because the Flash he wrote, he wrote the new 52 okay. version of Flash. I don't know if he drew it. I can't remember if he drew it, but he did write it. Okay. Um, he's, he writes and draws and stuff. Um, I'm not going to say, like, he can't write or anything. I'm definitely more of a fan of his artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when he draws. I just I love his style. Like his pages are are just beautiful. I love it so much. So mm-hmm. Justice League number ten, I want to say, is my weekly pick. So time flies almost as fast as Superman. This podcast. Wait, what are you doing? It's almost over. What? We haven't picked a name. Well, I was getting to that. Oh, I'm just winding down. Oh, okay. So time flies almost as fast as Superman. This podcast is almost over. Time flies om- or time flies almost as fast as Jack Kirby draws because the dude was dry <laughs> drawing seventy five pages a month. Yeah. Which is insane. Um, before we get out of here, we're going to pick another name. And we just want to thank you guys so much for listening. Appreciate everybody taking the time out of their day. Or uh, I love the idea of being part of somebody's work day or their drive to work or wherever you listen to us at. So greatly appreciate it. Make sure you check us out on all of our social medias. It's Fortress of Comicitude podcast everywhere. You can Google it. Uh, the podcast is on, you know, Apple Podcasts and Audio Boom, SoundCloud, Spotify now, which is wonderful. All those other things. So, thank you so much. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. What are your some of your favorite Jack Kirby characters? Who do you think gets the credit? Like, who do you credit more? Mm-hmm. Um, was any of this new to you? Have you not really heard of Jack Kirby before? And you've always been, uh, you know, oh, yeah, those are Stan Lee's characters. And, you know, what did we teach you anything? I learned some stuff that I didn't know, which is surprising because I thought I knew Jack Kirby pretty well. So I'm glad I could teach you. So before we get <laughs> out of here, we have to pick another name for next month's creator focus. Yes. Um, I picked the last one. So it means that Mary gets to pick this one. So you can hear the names that are in the bucket and Mary's going to pick one to find out who we're going to be speaking of in about a month from now. It's been picked. It has been picked. The bucket has been taken away. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Next month, we're talking about Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens! Yay! Is one of my favorite of all time. Okay, I say that like every time. You do. I'm like, it's one of the best ever. <laughs> <laughs> you really do say that. Maybe because I put all the names in the bucket, so it's like, who do I love? <laughs> like, I didn't put anybody in there that I'm like, I hate this guy. <laughs> well, I'm not really hateful, anyways, but. Also, um, we put up a poll a few weeks ago, and the people have spoken. They ne- did? Yes. Uh, next week, we will be back here to do our next Was It That Bad? And the people have chosen that we speak of 1995's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, <laughs> which I am so excited to do. All right. So, next week, you ooze, you lose I with voted. Us. Did you vote? I did. I voted. I did, too. What did you vote for? I'm not telling you. <laughs> But we also got quite a few votes, so it's okay. Okay. Um, but it was close. It was like fifty-four percent. Oh, okay. So I mean, it, it was it was it pretty was still close. close. So, uh, yeah, celebrating the twenty-fifth anniversary <laughs> of Power Rangers next week. Um, maybe nobody cares about that episode, but I'm I think be I know which one you voted for. So excited! <laughs> I I would have been stoked to talk about either of these movies. I just think there's a lot more meat on the bone of the ninety-five movie because there's just more to be like. Oh my god, what mm-hmm. are they doing? <laughs> So that's going to be a lot more fun. And then a month from now, we're going to be back to talk about Dan Jerkins on the next Creator Focus episode. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, Thank you guys so much for joining us. Anything else you wanted to... Is Dan Jerkins alive? Yes, he is. He is very much alive. (laughs) He's not even that old. All right. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's probably 
almost 60, 50 to 60, maybe. Gosh. Maybe uh, he might even be younger than that. I don't know. Um, but he is maybe the best don't you Superman know, not creator to, not of all to time. talk about somebody's we're gonna, age. We're going to get into that <laughs> in a month from now because I got a lot of thoughts on Dan Jurgen. Okay. Talk about a guy who's underrated. Um, Till then, I am Tyler. I'm Mary. And you can't out Kirby Kirby. So don't try. <laughs> okay. Okay.